Here's to giving a real boots on the ground perspective as a thank you. Welcome to the FLIR Delta podcast, where we bring in leaders within the drone community and discuss their insights, perspectives, and unique journeys through the unmanned industry. I'm your host, Randall Warnes. In this episode, I sit down with Lorenzo Rota of Valera Aerial Imaging, a service provider based in California. Back last spring, we put out an end-user survey with one respondent getting selected to be our guest on this podcast. Lorenzo was our lucky one. Enjoy. Thank you for spending some time with me. I think that this is a really interesting and exciting opportunity to sit down and chat with you about your experience in the drone industry. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about you and you know your background, things that you've done outside of the drone industry. Well, I've always been drawn to like disruptive new technologies. So right after college left General Electric, I was working for Industrial Controls Division. And new and upcoming thing was wind power in the mid 80s. And this is what I call wind power 1.0, not the turbines you see now that are being inspected by drones. This was the very early pioneering efforts in Palm Springs and other parts of California. So that brought me out here to this area. And that industry was so early, it eventually collapsed. The oil was only 10 bucks a barrel, so it really didn't make sense. There was a lot of tax incentives. So that industry collapsed. I went back to manufacturing. And right at that time, we had a new technology, surface mount technology, which is going from the large pins through holes to everything miniaturized, which led to the cell phone, which led to drone technology. And I worked in the process engineering, companies like Agilent Technologies and Jable Circuits, and then finally Ericsson. And there, you know, the new disruptive thing was going from tin lead solder to lead-free solders, which, you know, are more eco-friendly. And that was my last stint in electronics industry, and that's when I moved into the drone space when that started to expand. So right now we're in Sonoma County. Right. Or I would say like Napa Valley, Sonoma. Is that accurate? Because I yes. have no idea where I am. Yeah, right you're right in the wine honest. country, right. Perfect. You live in the general Bay Area and have yeah. been here for... Santa Cruz and now in, moved up to Northern California, Ukiah area. Perfect. And so in right. 2015, you founded your company, Valer right. Aerial Imaging, correct? Right. right. And what were you seeing with drone technology at the time that made you want to make that leap? Well, before I started with drones, I was doing aerial photography with kites, which some people laugh when really? they hear. Kite aerial photography was a big thing. And this is where you actually had gimbals, motorized, controlled, remote control gimbals on kites and taking photographs or videos. So that's where I first had it. And then I you know, drifted away from that. And then the Phantom 1 came out. And that was interesting. But what really took my interest was the 3D robotics movement to do-it-yourself drones, and especially the X-8 mapping drone. And so at that time, the Phantom 1 didn't do autonomous missions, but I realized, wow, this thing's, you know, you have the open source PixSaw controller, you've got mission planner software, and you're designing mapping missions. And then you realize you can do st- structure scanning and mapping and then attaching bolt-on whatever sensor you wanted. And that's when it's like, wow, this is going to be big. And that's what triggered me to like really delve into it. So Chris Anderson from 3DR was right. my first guest for right. the podcast. So this is a fun full circle uh, <laughs> exactly. situation. When you found the company, you're seeing that drone technology is able to capture imagery from the air. Obviously, were you just doing RGB imagery? And what were the markets that you were addressing at first? Yeah, I, I was doing the standard thing most people did with drones, real estate or marketing videos. Mm. So yeah, it was just standard RGB. Wasn't really doing mapping, but then I got involved with someone that was marketing the AeroVironment uh, Quantix Ag 
drone, assisting that company in the Watsonville area, Insight Up Solutions is the company, and, and we were just going out to farmers and just demonstrating this technology that AeroVironment provided. So today your primary focus is still in more agricultural endeavors or? That's where I want to focus, being up in Northern California. I want to serve, you know, precision ag where you have a lot of vineyards. The biggest cash crop is, of course, cannabis, which is now legal to grow. And that's coming online Mm -hmm. with farms being legitimized and permitted. So there's not only the ongoing operations, but there's aerial mapping required for the permitting process. I'm seeing that as an opportunity as well. So because I've lived in the thermal world for the last Mm -hmm. few years, and thermal and ag kind of have some overlap, but Mm -hmm. obviously drone technology in agriculture is a big deal, but is it saturated? I mean, you're talking about cannabis. Is that, is it being done today that drones are being uh, used in cannabis or for vineyards? Is it every vineyard's using a drone? One in five, maybe one in 10? I don't have figures on on a cannabis. I've just seen some initial videos explaining the use of multispectral. I'm looking for the precision ag you know, not just a multispectral, but to use thermal sensors for mapping drainage systems, underground drainage systems, where that may have been put in decades ago and they can't locate them. And there's ways to use thermal to identify where they were installed Mm -hmm. by looking at temperature difference. And then just monitoring irrigation, surface irrigation possibly, looking at that. So looking at real world, something that a lot of specialty crop farmers may not hear, may not be ready for analyzing NDVI maps. Gotcha. I'm looking for something that's very nuts and bolts. Let's fix the irrigation system. Let's fix the drainage system. Right. So back in, in 2015, when you started the business, you said you were doing like real estate stuff and marketing videos. Do you still do that? And the second question on that is, is there still money to be made in doing no, real estate? No, because there's just, it. you know, it's sort of the bottom end. So yeah. that's why I think it's important for some of our businesses to look at the higher ends, look at thermal sensors, look at multispectral sensors provide, or higher resolution cameras that your typical prosumer drone doesn't have. Right. So you moved from kites to drones, and <laughs> yeah. the move from kite to drone was that you saw the technology had some capabilities that would make the kite business or the work you were doing with kites it, easier. It wasn't a business; it was more of a hobby. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you weren't monetizing no, the kites. No, no, it was just the interest in remote control camera systems. Gotcha, okay. So moving to the drone as, let's say, as a hobbyist and then pursuing that to be Mm -hmm. something that you can monetize. What were the challenges of making that happen and was it that you knew you wanted to do that for a living or was it a hobby that you were transitioning to something you could do on the side or at what point did you make it a full-fledged business? Right, yeah, it definitely was, you know, first hobby, then, hmm, it looks like there could be, you know, I was following the industry, going to the trade shows and realizing that you know you have geographic information systems taking this data before from fixed wing aircraft now they want a higher resolution or different kinds of of mapping with drones so that's where i started with going to like gis meetups Mm -hmm. and, and understanding what people were doing with drones at what point from 2015 to now 2019 did yeah. you really feel like you caught your momentum as a drone service provider did it take six months or was it no well for me since i was starting from scratch i didn't have the background and you know the mapping you know it, it's a long learning curve mm-hmm. and i didn't want to be premature you know you have a lot of people that thought they were mappers and surveyors and then realize there's a whole mapping surveying industry that you get in big trouble if you start stepping on those toes so it's been a lot of long education i was lucky to have sort of a sabbatical from my stint with ericsson i was there nine years to focus on the education side 
Gotcha. And even now, I plan to get a GIS certificate from Penn State as an online. That's a, a good resource to really go into the theory of geographic information systems. So that's actually a great segue into kind of what I'm thinking about as challenges for a drone service provider. I think differentiation would be atop those, right? Because right. anyone can say I can fly a drone and then have a part 107 that they could slap on a table. But right. what areas do you find are challenging in order to make yourself stand out, get a customer base and, and really make the most of flying technology? Well, like we said, going to more advanced sensors. So definitely, you know, using thermal for whatever niche, whether you want to find you know, moisture intrusion in a building or do something with drainage in a, in a farm field, you have to break free from the standard drone and you're going to have to invest to differentiate yourself. Mm -hmm. So whether it's you know a FLIR sensor or a, a MicaSense uh, multispectral sensor. And then the software, how do you deliver the product? So then people get in early days enamored with the hardware of the drone, especially I'm, I come from a hardware engineering background. So the drone hardware was was you know sort of a f fixation. Then you realize, wait, 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 I need the software to back to deliver the imaging and, mm -hmm. and find out whether it's going to be a PIX4D or a drone deploy or how do you deliver these images. That really needs to be the number one focus. So when you're meeting with a customer, let's say it's your first meeting, mm -hmm. what kind of questions are they asking as far as you as a drone pilot or what kind of deliverable that they could expect to see? Well, I, we have to see, you know, make sure we're not stepping on toes of someone the surveying missions where right. the people ha ha require certain accuracy. So, you know, I'm not a, I don't have a surveying license, so I stay out of that whole realm mm -hmm. and make sure it's clear to them that these are, you know, there's a certain level of accuracy, but I'm not guaranteeing it. And, make, and you can get fined if you start representing your work as survey grade, you're going to get in big trouble in the state of California in particular. Gotcha. So yeah. I guess when you first meet these customers, is there is there a place that you meet them at? Shows, trade shows, events like you right. you mentioned earlier? Initially, you'd go to all the drone shows, learn it, and then you realize, well, there's not really a lot of customers there. So I end up going to, you know, Farm Bureau shows if I'm going to be in ag. Then I learned Invasive Plant Council has symposiums and why, you know, there's a lot of dollars in invasive plant removal in the state of California. So you go where the customers are and try to understand what they're doing. And, and realize, oh, they just started using mapping by drone in that field. So that's mm -hmm. that's an area. Ask them, you know, you say people that are clearing land, do you need to have pre and post land clearing photos? Those kind of things. You start realizing the niches they need. And are you educating these potential customers at these, you know, invasive plant people about right. dr what drones can deliver, or do they generally know? And they just are trying to find the right pilots. There's some ideas I, I'm planning now to to create. We're in the location I'm in through the Farm Bureau. Create a seminar to how do you hire a drone service provider? Which is you look for proper insurance, differentiation between aviation insurance and general business insurance. You know those kind of things to reduce risk. Mm -hmm. And also how are the deliverables deliverables provided? In your world of drone service provision, are there certain missions that you prefer or certain missions that you avoid? You mentioned to right. me before that you've been sent off to, you know, kind of the middle of nowhere for months at a time. Right. Um, are those things that you want because it's consistent or is that like, you know? Well, this year, yeah, I worked on a project that was uh, six months, which was inspecting electrical transmission towers to mitigate wildfire risk. So mm -hmm. that, that was... A great project, grand adventure for the last six months. 
So yeah, I took that because just to get the experience, also to see large-scale drone operations with multiple teams, to see how do you manage that, how do you manage the flow of data, getting data from the field back to where it had to be analyzed, was a logistics problem in itself. And aside from the logistics issues, are there policies that keep you from doing certain missions, or do you see that certain policies will allow drone service providers like yourselves to find? you know, more jobs and that there will be kind of a greater stock of people looking for drone service provision? Well, the only policy issues, you know, that I look at, for example, in an ag field, most of the time the fields I could schedule around when ag workers are out there. But if they require me to fly when workers are in the field, then you have to worry about the flying over people aspect. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, there's special rules for that, whether you need a parachute, to mitigate that risk or clear the people off the field, you know, that, that's an issue where you can't just assume you could legally fly over people out in the field. So there's a liability there with the FAA rules. Right. One. And other things that I see coming up in the future, something called the Uniform Law Commission, which is, I guess, tort lawyers that are trying to define something called aerial trespass, that if you're, you fly under 200 feet over someone's property, you're guilty of trespass and they could file a civil suit. So that's something that's been in the news, sort of in the background. Is that a state law? This is a group that drafts legislation that's adopted by state legislatures. Mm -hmm. And they're, so to try to unif make uniform codes. And they have this drone task force. And the concern there is, you know, if you're doing a mapping mission, happen to encroach over someone's property, even though you're not really filming their property or aiming your camera, they, this person could still hire an attorney and sue you for aerial trespass. So a lot of, I know there's been a lot of pushback from different industry groups and law groups against this commission to say, you know, this, this law is going to create this big patchwork and really impact the industry. Right. So uh, just the kind of, as you're talking about this, I was thinking about how Drone service providers often seem like lone wolves or small teams, right. or there's the large consortium of drone pilots, uh, networks like DroneBase and, and others. Do you find that there is really a community of drone service providers like yourself that communicate with each other and, and try to like share best practices and have a unified voice on the, these sorts of topics, or how does that work? Yeah, there's a number of groups, you know, besides like LinkedIn, what's very active is on Facebook. There's a number of commercial pilot Facebook groups, which it's amazing how much is shared. You know, people literally let you sort of look over their shoulder at their projects and share information. I found that's been the greatest way to reduce the learning curve to get into this industry. And that includes even just day-to-day -day business issues, you know, bookkeeping, what's the best way to get to invoice people, so, or very specialized mapping. So there are definitely communities on Facebook. I know there's like the Drone U community where people sign up and join that group and they're very active and have people actually lobbying on behalf of uh, commercial and operators. That's really interesting. We talked about differentiation. We talked about kind of payloads being one of those or the investment. What kind of payloads are you seeing more and more popping up in, I guess in Precision Ag, but any uh, real drone service uh, services that are being well, well definitely the multispectral the mica sense the slant ranges mm -hmm. you see drone service providers that are even entry level investing in those because otherwise they really can't differentiate from someone with the standard phantom 4 pro that's just doing rgb right and then adding thermal 
So adding one of your uh, Zenmuse sensors or the DJI compatible sensors, you know, the X-T2, the X-T series. And then you start hearing LiDAR, it's still very expensive, but hopefully, you know, there'll be cost reductions in LiDAR and in the multispectral sensors where the, those prices will come down. They're still pretty high. So where should the industry be going to really extract more value out of people like yourselves or the technology that can put, you know, drones in the air for... 40 to, to 60 minutes. What what are the next steps that need to be taken for for industry to really unlock the value of drone technology? Yeah, like you said, longer battery life, everyone always wants that. I don't know if there's going to be fuel cells or what that will encompass in the future. Mm -hmm. Definitely the cost reduction in the sensors, in the advanced sensors. And the other issue I saw working in the electrical utility industry was the data upload from the field. And the same thing in precision ag. Oftentimes, even in California, which has good coverage from certain providers, it's very slow and you still had to manually bring an SD card back to the office or have couriers bring them back to the customer. We still don't have fiber optics out to the rural areas and that's, that's definitely holding things back or making it harder. Gotcha. What things are drones doing that you can be like, yeah, I want to be a part of it the day that it blank. The day that we have autonomous power line inspection and we, right. you know, have people moving because right. of autonomous vehicles. Those Definitely, yeah, uh, yeah, the prefer, like the preferred projects or what gets me interested is, yeah. you know, there's that concept of drones for good. So mm -hmm. uh, besides just, you know, selfies and other things is like environmental restoration. I've seen some companies have done some amazing things restoring conservation lands using drone tools, which is amazing. Public safety for like search and rescue is amazing. And then the wildfire risk mitigation. There's a new, this was just sort of a pilot program. And now besides the power lines, you know, I just attended a, a, a class by Greg Krutzinger about mapping defensible space around homes. People have having properties needing to see where they need to clean, clear out areas to prevent wildfire risk. Every episode that I do, I have five fast questions that okay. you haven't seen. Okay. Just throw me the, the answer right. off the top of your head. All right. All right. So question one, do, your, do you name your drones? And if so, what are their names? Oh, yes. I've <laughs> I have named them after Italian scientists. The company is Volare Aerial, so it's sort of an Italian theme. And I've named them things like Galileo and Fermi and names after Italian scientists. There it is. Okay. <laughs> what is the single greatest move in your life that has brought you to where you are today? When I came to California to work on wind power. Moving yeah. to California? Yeah. And then, you know, I'm sort of like getting back into the wind power with regards to drone inspection of blades. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of, that's sort of become full circle. Uh, where are you from? New Jersey. Jersey. Originally. Jersey to California. You, right. Did you move from Jersey to California To then? Palm Springs, the desert of Palm Springs. This was quite a culture shock <laughs> back in the mid-80s, yes. Perfect. All right. What has been your single most memorable or important moment in your drone career? Working on the, the wildfire risk mitigation project on, on inspecting the transmission lines, meeting great people, and it was very timely because of the disasters we've had here. So who is someone in the industry that you watch or pay attention to? Uh, I think Chris Anderson. Chris yeah. Anderson? He is interesting to me. Really great guy. Yeah. Okay, and the last question is, what is your favorite holiday? I'll say San Lorenzo Day, since it's that's like 
when the Perseid meteor shower is. So okay. Like, and uh, my parents always... Give a little detail on <laughs> San Lorenzo Day, because in my world, we don't celebrate San Lorenzo <laughs> well, so Day. All, you know, August 11th, it happens to coincide with the Perseid meteor showers. So... It was there was in Italy. There's some connection between those two events. What does the typical uh, celebration look like? Oh, I, I, I don't think there's any specific celebration, but just, there's not like a, a San Lorenz, Lorenzo <laughs> Day food. Not that I know of, no. Other than going looking at the meteors. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So, what's the next big thing for the industry? Where are we headed? You know, increasing the speed of data uploads. I think is is still an issue. I think. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And the last thing is for someone that either owns drones today or is right. interested in owning a right. drone. Right. And at some point they want to monetize that. Right. What is some encouragement or some advice for someone, you know, that wants to be like yourself where you right. started your own business and are doing work with drones? Being realistic as far as can you handle the non-drone business issues that aren't very fun. You know, drones are fun, but bookkeeping, finding medical insurance, banking, those are not really fun as drones are. So are you capable of handling the mundane aspects? And if not, then maybe you should position yourself to work for a larger company where you could focus on your passion of the drones and not worry about non-business issues. Has it been worth it for you to start your own company and, and go into this on your own? That's still debatable. I yeah. mean, I'm still, you know, on the fence. It, there, are, You know, I, I've just recently come on a project with a larger company and there's benefits. Mm-hmm versus being on your own. And, and do you, would you suggest looking at larger companies to pilot for rather than do it as a solo kind of operation? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you, have to, you have to be able to be realistic about your abilities to work alone and to continue marketing your company while you're busy on projects. It's not easy. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you taking yeah. the time to sit with me. I, I don't yeah. know um, if the podcast will understand this, but we put out a survey a couple months ago right. uh, trying to get some user feedback on what products we should build. That's really, you know, mm -hmm. it's a tough task to do because we have to read people's minds and put it out and when it's wrong, you know, yeah. we have to wait another cycle until we can get right. it right. So right. Uh, you responded to that. Uh, part of responding to that, we agreed to do uh, this, okay. this podcast and I, I really think that it's awesome to talk to someone that's, you know, boots on the ground, right. grassroots, just uh, doing your thing in the drone industry, keeping us uh, all afloat. So I appreciate sitting down with you and getting some of your insights and I uh, hope we get to do it again. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure to head to FLIR.com slash Delta for more episodes and downloads. Also, subscribe or follow to make sure to catch all the FLIR Delta content. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover, someone you'd like us to sit down with, or a way we can make this podcast even better, make sure to send us your thoughts to delta.podcast at FLIR.com. Again, thanks for making FLIR Delta part of your connection with the drone industry.